0: It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show. And I got Warren Brown with me right here. And of course, you've been on the channel for a while. You know who Warren is. And it's time to talk 49ers football. Warren, how are you feeling?
1: I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling a lot better after last week, that stressful game. Uh, this week, I'm feeling a lot more confident. But I'm I'm, I'm actually happy to be back, though.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's been a while since we talked. and. Uh, it's good that we're we're back at it. We're talking 49ers football. And the funny thing is, me and Warren were watching the game together. Right. Uh, so, I mean, we were we were feeling each other's anxiety. Uh, Warren was down on the ground. Warren was up. He was around the corner. He was everywhere you could possibly be during that game because that game had all the ups and downs, the emotions. Uh, and, Warren, you know, how did you feel about that game? Because a lot of people have come away with different feelings. Some believe that it's a galvanizing win for the 49ers uh some believe that they were just really frustrated with how they came out how are you feeling about that game
1: i feel i was definitely frustrated about the game um just watching how the game unfolded it, it seemed like green bay was just beating us to the punch on everything like we were getting the i feel like we were getting the right bounces on, on during the game in each play like it was just a real struggle like we couldn't get no momentum on offense felt like we were always in a funk on defense it's guys were sh- uh, slipping and and we just we couldn't get home, and it just felt like all the emotions and frustrations that go into a football game was pretty much on display last week. So I was very frustrated watching the game. But I mean, as the game went on, like you've seen, the team, you know, they were they were fighting through the emotions. They were fighting. They were they were riding a roller coaster, you know. And eventually, they ended up on top. But it's just getting there to the end. It was just so difficult, man. It's seeing a block field goal. Usually, you don't see block field goals in games and Stuff like that, it was just, it was very frustrating.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, and Jake Moody, I mean, you're a Michigan fan. Absolutely. Uh, so you've seen Jake Moody make all these big time kicks, and you get to the end of the half, and here he comes on. And uh, I still have a lot of faith in Jake Moody, and, you know, a lot of people don't, but I do, and I think <laughs> you do as well. And he gets that field goal blocked. Was that surprising to you that Jake Moody had a field goal blocked?
1: It was surprising to me. Um, I've been, like you said, I'm a, I'm a big Michigan fan. Uh, I've been watching Michigan football for since I was a little kid. Um, I've watched all four years of Jake Moody at Michigan, and I've never seen him with a blocked field goal. I've never seen him get a field goal blocked. You know, the guy is, yeah. he has a super powerful leg. You know, he usually, no, no matter where he's at on the field, he's, he's going to get it there. He's going to get it up, and he's going to, he's going to have extension on it. But it was very weird to see it get blocked, in that moment, it, like I said, it was just adding to the frustration. It was just what else could go wrong, Yeah, you know? And then when he lined up and he kicked it, I, I felt like all Niner fans were, like, clinching, like, man, if he, like, misses this field goal or something goes wrong, like, it's, the anxiety is really going to start to set in. And then when you see it get blocked, it was just like, man, we're going to half like this, you know? But it was, it was definitely odd. It was weird for me because, like I said, being a Michigan fan, watching Moody, as long as I watch Moody, I've never seen him get his field goals blocked.
0: Yeah, and it was interesting. Christian McCaffrey during his post-game presser said the game just felt weird it from did. the beginning, and I think a lot of people uh, were feeling that as well. The interesting thing George Kittle said that once Brock Purdy ripped into somebody, uh, that is when they kind of clicked and went went to where they were supposed to be. found that interesting. I'm pretty sure it was when Ray-Ray McLeod was supposed to run the swirl route, right? Uh, and he just went into scramble drill mode when his guy fell down and sat down. But you've got this situation where the 49ers, it felt like every time they got momentum, every single time Green Bay got the momentum back. It was, uh, you know, they, they, 49ers scored a touchdown on the big run by McCaffrey, kick return all the way back down. John Gibson falls, touchdown. It's like every single time it was just like they couldn't quite get over the hump, but they got it done and they win. And uh, it was, it was, it's just an interesting dynamic between, you know, these two teams. It, it's so interesting. Uh, the, the fact that you always get these 10 times that you get Green Bay versus the 49ers, uh, it, it's wild. But it was it was a crazy game, lots of fun. Um, do you think that there's going to be a positive carryover from this game, or do you think it's going to be more negative as they head into the NFC Championship game against the Lions?
1: I think it's going to be more positive. I think, honestly, when I look at teams and they go on Super Bowl runs and are in these playoff runs, they need to go through a game like this. you know. And in, in the Niners, they needed to go through a game like this with Green Bay, and it, to me, was it was the perfect it was the perfect medicine, you know. I mean, we had that bad game against Baltimore where in, nothing could go right. We had we had bad turnovers, you know. And I feel like t- for, since that game, we've kind of been in a funk. We haven't really we haven't seen the team that that went out there and smashed the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like that team was just clicking on all cylinders. Now we get to the playoffs. We're playing Green Bay, you know you I'm I'm happy that we went through this game. You yeah. know, I'm happy that the team wasn't having success. The team was, was battling. It was a four quarter game. Mm. You know, we wasn't rattling off big runs, you know, like Purdy wasn't, you know, picking apart the defense, throwing the ball wherever he wanted to. And it was going for touchdowns. You know, we had to deal with the adversity of somebody being hurt, deal with the adversity of, of a block field goal. And, all the emotions in this game, I feel like it's going to prepare us for what's to come. You know, and this game against Detroit, it's like, what more can you throw at us? You know, we, we've been through it with, we, in four quarters with Green Bay. Like, what can you give us that we haven't already been through? So I think what we learned from Green Bay is that this team is resilient and this team is, is ready to, to get the job done.
0: I like that, isn't it? Everybody, please like and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. On that push for 5K, if you're listening on audio platform 49ers, cutback on believe, uh, please give it a five star rating. And if you're going to bet this weekend, bet with Bet Online. It's playoff time, and the road to Vegas goes through San Francisco and Baltimore. Bet Online is your number one source for playoff odd stats, trends, and lines with everything from point spreads to hundreds of player performance props. Head to Bet Online today and stay updated on the. Action bet online where the game starts, and Warren, you got a good point there. they're going to be carrying this thing over uh, I think that one thing that's interesting about the playoffs compared to the regular season is in the playoffs it's more like as a one game season every single time, so momentum is something different. you don't really have a momentum that carries over uh just like if you win a big game in the NFC championship game it doesn't mean it carries you over to the Super Bowl because. There's a long layoff, those two weeks. I just think it's so different, but I agree with you. I think that this win will galvanize the team. They can look at it, and they can say, you know what? We didn't play at our best level. We didn't execute at the highest of levels, and yet we were still able to win. And that was the one shot. That was the shot that somebody had to get rid of us, and they failed. And now we can go out there, and if we play our A-plus game, there's no one that could beat us. And, you know, it's funny because – people always say it and it you know doesn't always make sense but the only team that could beat the 49ers is the 49ers and I think they almost beat themselves in this game but they were able to get out of their own way and get it done against the Packers and get a big time win right right now a question mark from this though is Brock Purdy uh Brock Purdy he's having some problems with that grip uh, when it comes to wet footballs luckily no wet games coming up. We've got a nice clear forecast for the 49ers this weekend and then it's indoors for uh the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. But do you have any concerns now? Lots of people pointing out Brock Purdy more inaccurate than they've seen him in that game. Uh do you think it was the weather? Do you think that it was the pressure? What do you think was going on with Brock? And do you think do you have any concerns about Brock heading into the NFC Championship game?
1: As of right now, I have no I have no concerns about Brock going into this game. Um Number one, like like you said, that we're not dealing with no rain this week. You know, and clearly since – I mean, you look at the Niners' first loss to Cleveland, it was a wet game, and he struggled with the ball in that game as well. Moving on to the playoffs against Green Bay, I mean, you could clearly see that it was something that he was dealing with mentally. mentally you know, he started the game with a glove. During the game, he took off the glove. There was even the, the, the footage where he was – before he threw a pass – you know, he wiped his hand off, you yeah. know? So, I mean, you know, he was definitely dealing with the whole wet football. It was in his head. Um But when, when the game got rough, you know, and it was the most clutchest moment when we had to have it, you know, he buckled down with the wet football and he made the plays that needed to be played for the Niners to win the game, you know? So going forward, you know, I don't have no problems. I have no problems with with brock purdy i i feel like he's gonna play his best football from here on out um he's played great football all season you know so with the wet football i would be a little i would be a little cautious i mean because because we've seen it we've seen it the guy struggles his he, he doesn't have the biggest hands in the world you know this was one of the knocks on uh on him coming out of the draft you know that people was saying "Oh, purdy's hey he has small hands and this this and that and it does affect you, it does affect you when you are playing with a wet football, but uh, going forward against the Detroit Lions, I'm glad that we got clear weather. I think he'll uh, ball out and he'll have a much better game than he did last week.
0: Yeah, the good news is he's got plenty of off season time to get better at using a okay. a slick football. You know, get used to playing with a wet ball. Uh, but yeah, I think I I'm with you on this. I don't really have any concerns about Brock Purdy. Rock, Brock Purdy was still. Deciphering information really quickly. He was still finding open receivers. And he made some really clutch throws down the stretch. That throw to Brandon Ayuk uh, may have been one of the best throws he's made this season. Pinpoint accuracy in tight coverage. And that's exactly what you're expecting from your quarterback in this moment. And I'm not going to act like a few inaccurate passes or a bad situation that he struggled in is going to determine how he looks moving forward. I feel full confidence in Brock Purdy, and I still believe he's that guy. And the 49ers need him to be that guy when they play the Detroit Lions in uh, the NFC Championship game. Uh, the good news for Brock Purdy, you're going against a defense for the Detroit Lions that gives up nearly 260 yards per game through the air. And then you've got Cam Sutton, who has really struggled during this uh, postseason. He gave up over 180 yards to Puka Nakua, and then last we got torched by Mike Evans as well this is a secondary that's been reeling anytime you're giving up close to 300 yards to Baker Mayfield you've got to think Brock Purdy's going to have some opportunities to get in there <laughs> and, and make some things happen so I kind of like this matchup for the four years wide receivers versus uh, the Detroit Lions secondary
1: um I want Debo to play so bad because yeah. I know the type of game that he could have against his secondary and plus it's you know all the off-season drama between I think it's what Charlie Gardner, C.J. Gardner, yeah, yeah. C.J. And, and Debo. Like this is the build up You know this yeah. is so much drama, and you know people love watching the drama. We all we all like the drama, but there was so much said in the off-season. I mean Debo talked his smack, and Johnson talked his smack. and now they get to meet up in the NFC uh the NFC Championship game. I would love to see them both on the field and just you know you know hash it out on the field like me, You know so. Um, I hope Debo plays, and I hope he's hundred percent. I hope he's able to go out there and play up to what we know Debo can do. Yeah. So
0: I want that short intermediate pass where Debo turns up field and the person attacking oh, is Gardner Johnson. Uh, right. <laughs> this is the Jalen Ramsey versus Debo type situation, and it's like, hey, all right, here's where the rubber meets the road, and let's see what happens. Let's uh, it's put up or shut up time. You know, De- Debo's out there, st- uh, you know, stealing chains. Uh, but you know, you bring that up, and this is this is one of those things I wanted to ask you. Debo, according to Kyle Shanahan, uh, still in pain, but has improved uh, since earlier this week and is trending in the right direction. Do you think Debo's going to play?
1: I think Debo is going to play. Um, just reading off the body language, how he looked on the sideline, and then what I read after the game. You know, Debo Debo thought he could go back in after the game. I don't know what they've seen in x-rays or what they seen in the locker room that that held him out for the rest of the game. But, I mean, if I'm going based off what Debo said, Debo said he felt like he could go back into the game. Um, how he looked on the, on the sideline and his body language, I mean, he looked like somebody that was, that he was, he was fine. You know, he didn't have like a sling on or, you know, an ice pack on the shoulder or anything like that. Yeah, he was out of gear. He was in street clothes. But just, just judging his body language and how he looked on the field, I believe that he could have went back in that game if, if desperately needed. So i I think we're going to see Debo this week. In what capacity, I don't know. Um, I think you don't you do and you don't need Debo hundred percent Debo because he's such a good decoy. You know, you could have Debo going to the left and the whole defense just reads to the left because it's Debo. You know, Debo attracts so much attention. I would love I would love for Debo to be hundred percent, but anything he could give us where he could be on the field and affect the game in any way or in a unique way that Debo can, and no other player in the league is that could do it like Debo, I would love to see him out there helping out his team get to the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, I think there were some nerves, you know, from that training staff about Debo's injury, considering it was the same shoulder he had the injury on earlier this season. And when they did the initial x-rays back then, after the Cleveland game, it came up clear. And then later in the week, it was still bothering him. They did the MRI, and they found the hairline fracture. I think they were fearful that that happened again. So they waited on Sunday. He had the MRI. It came back uh, clear. So he has no structural damage to the shoulder, which means it's all pain tolerance. And so I do believe he's going to get out there. I think they're probably going to give him a shot, uh, you know, kind of take away some of that pain. And I think as that swelling continues to go down, as they work with him, icing, physical therapy, everything they need to do. I think as we get closer to Sunday, he's going to feel more comfortable and confident with him going out there. But you're right, him being used in this offense is important. They average over two yards uh, per carry on the ground with Debo on the field. So he doesn't just help when the ball's in his hands, but when the ball's not in his hands. So you bringing up him being a decoy is is so true. Uh, There's a play in this game where Debo goes in motion and literally four or five different guys move positions just to flow with him. McCaffrey gets a nice six, seven-yard run on the play. That's the effect of Debo Samuel. It's just tougher sledding without him. He makes Ayuk better. He makes Kittle better. He makes CMC better. And the 49ers need him out there. Uh, So, yeah, I I think he's going to play. And unlike you, I think he's going to have an impact on this game. Now, do you think the 49ers could win without Debo if they had to?
1: I think they can. Um, We witnessed this last week. You know, I mean, Debo went down early in the game. And, you know, the Niners had to put something together, you know, and and we did. It wasn't in the game plan. You know, Shanahan. You know, you give Shanahan a week. I feel like he game plan to do anything. You know, you. I think this week he is going to have two game plans. I think he's going to have a Debo game plan and a D, uh, game plan without Debo. You know, but you look at the what what unfolded on uh what was it, Saturday last week yep. on Saturday, Debo goes out early in the game, and you know Shanahan he got to make plays on his toes. You know, like Debo's out. Now what happens? You know, and. It was rough. You know, it was a rough going. I mean, I mean, I give my hat off, I take my hat off to Green Bay. Green Bay had a great game plan. You know, I don't know if it was their game plan more or Debo not being on the field. But the way Green Bay's defense played, they played the Niners well. You know, they were they were making plays. I mean, both teams are trying to win, you know. So if if you had to ask me if the Niners could win without Debo, I think they could. I think Shanahan's gonna be better prepared this week, you know, going in like with either having Debo or not having Debo where he could just he could exploit that defense with or without him.
0: Yeah, I think some of the Lions' ineffectiveness to stop the run in the playoffs is interesting because right. during the regular season, they were really good. They held, de- they held a- opposing offenses to 88 yards on the ground, uh, which is actually a little bit better than the Niners, but uh, they have been a good defense against the run. But when we get to the playoffs, not so much. The Rams were able to get a run game going last week. It was Rashad White averaging over 6.1 yards per carry. Uh, who knows why Tampa Bay only ran the ball nine times with him. I, I don't understand that. They, they they ended up having, you know, more carries than that for multiple backs. But still, it's like he's having that kind of success, get him the ball. So I wonder how effective that they're going to be uh, stopping the run because how much attention can they give to the run game and Christian McCaffrey and still be able to help their guys in the back end? You know, that's always one of the concerns of a defense is, hey, can I protect, you know, the back end from these big plays? And Debo's a big reason why. When Debo's out there, you can't put full focus on Brandon Ayuk. You can't put full focus on George Kittle. You've got to worry about Debo, and it opens things up. Uh, so I, I think that that's going to play a big part in this game, is how much attention do they have to give to helping their secondary, and will that allow the 49ers to establish a successful running game with Christian McCaffrey? Because I think, Warren, if they get the run game going, that's really going to get this offense flowing in the way that we know that this offense can go.
1: I agree. I think if they if they get the run game going, it's it's lights out. I think Detroit's going to be in – they're going to be in for a long day. And, I mean, if you look at it, like you said, I mean, Kyron Williams and I believe Rashad White, right? Yeah. Uh, they're not Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> you know, I mean, you got Christian McCaffrey, the best running back in the league. I mean, you hand, you hand off the ball to him. I mean, he's going to cause fits for any defense, you know. So Detroit has their handful, you know, on stopping our run game, especially if Debo is available. I mean, it's it could come at you in so many different ways, you know. And, and Shanahan, he exploits it in so many different ways. So I definitely, um, I definitely think the Niners are going to be able to run the to run the football. And we know how bad that secondary is. So like, like you pointed out, if that running game gets going, I mean, it's it's it could get ugly pretty quick.
0: Yeah, this it's interesting because when I was looking at the playoffs, uh, I would do the show with you know Jay Hill, the Eight Hill Show, and one of the things I said is I I wouldn't mind seeing Detroit in the NFC Championship game. I just think the 49ers match up well. Some of the matchups. Are in favor of the 49ers. Um, it's not that I don't think they're a good team. I just think the you know X's and O's wise, it makes sense for the 49ers. And uh, part of the reason I think that is because I look over at Detroit's offense, and they you know they have good solid players. They have Alvin Ross, a. Brown. Brown. Uh, you know they they've got uh, the the new running back group that they're going with it with Jameer Gibbs. He's looking pretty good and dynamic. Uh, and then they got the young tight end out of Iowa, Sam Laporta. So they have these three-headed monster, this talented team, Uh, but there's not that other receiver, right? I mean, they thought it was going to be Jamison Williams. Uh, They've brought in other guys like Josh Reynolds. They haven't really been able to find that guy, and that's probably good for the 49ers because we got to talk about your corner from Michigan, Ambry Thomas. Uh, (laughs) Ambry Thomas had a tough week last week against the Green Bay Packers. He had two big pass interference calls. Warren, what is going on with Ambry Thomas and can Ambry turn this thing around heading into this Detroit game?
1: Oh man, it's it's <laughs> <laughs> it's I mean, it's so frustrating frustrating watching Ambry. Um I mean, his days in Michigan, he was he was a number one corner. You know, he was he he had a nastiness to him and you know, he was so confident and he wanted to guard the number one receiver week in and week out. And he was he was performing on the field. That's why, you know, he, he got drafted, you know, like you could see the talent, you know, that was the he got to the Niners and I mean, he had his struggles his first year with San Francisco, he had his struggles, but he finished the year definitely strong, you know, and now we get to this point where he is now it's, it's very difficult to watch, you know, I mean, earlier this year, you know, Wilkes, Wilkes gave him a vote of confidence. And he he, he kind of proved himself. He went out there and he proved himself, you know. He had moments in games where you see him go to the sidelines and say, like, I told you, you know, yeah. taking the game ball. And that's what you love to see. I mean, as a Niner fan and as a Michigan fan, like, you're excited to see. It's like you're you're kind of watching the kid come into his own, you know. Now we're here in the playoffs, and it's just – teams are going to target him, you know, because you cannot turn on the tape and not see the biggest weakness on this defense. You know, it's not Ward – you know it's not it's not it's not demo you know if you're going to attack this secondary you're going to attack number 20 you know cuz he's just he struggles in moments when when the ball's in the air he panics you know as you as last week we see it with the pass interference he he was in good position the ball's in the air he just panicked you know if he just relaxes you know trusts his trusts his skills you know trusts his coaching he's there to make the plays you know it's just he gets I don't know what it is. He just gets so excited. He gets he gets so scared. He gets so nervous in the moment, he, and he just he may he ends up turning something that could be good into something bad. So I want to see him. I hope I hope he does well this week. But if I'm Detroit, that's that's where I'm starting
0: at. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> you got a point. You know, I mean, I think you do uh, look at him and, and see an opportunity to be able to attack. Uh, the question marks is going to be how much can the Forty ers protect him. And you're entirely right. It seemed like he had great position. He was in the perfect spot to stop the play with Bo Melton deep down the field. And he just panicked. Uh, The truth is there was no way that ball was going to be caught. And he was right there in the hip pocket. He's six foot one. He has the space to be able to knock that ball away. It it was just, it was a bad play. And that's not relying on what he's been taught. I think the most, the, the thing that makes me the most nervous is we had seen him during the year make so much progression, He was really understanding what Steve Books wanted. He was starting to read through the wide receiver to the quarterback. He was driving on footballs better than I've ever seen him before. All of that interception that he got on the sideline. And it just looked like, oh, man, here comes Ambry Thomas. Like, if Ambry can play like this, we are going to be lights out in the secondary. And then you saw the performance like we saw this week. And that made me really, really concerned about this. Now, I do believe the 49ers have a way to protect themselves. Uh, The way I brought up how good Amon Ross St. Brown is, but maybe the rest of the wide receiver room is not as talented, could mean we get him some decent matchups uh, that work for Ambry Thomas. Because I wouldn't be surprised to see when we're in nickel package for Charverius Ward to travel wherever Amon Ross St. Brown goes. Wherever he goes, that Charverius Ward goes. I don't mind Demo in the slot against uh, St. Brown. I think that's a fine matchup as well. But we've got to make sure we protect Ambry when he's out on the field because you just can't allow him to consistently get beat or to allow catches underneath that are easy, convertible plays. He's just got to play a little bit tighter. He's got to play a little bit better, and he cannot fall for that double move. The double moves are killing him. That's why he had the first pass interference call. If he wouldn't have grabbed Romeo Dobbs, Romeo Dobbs would have been cruising in the end zone for a touchdown.
1: Yeah, if I'm Steve Wilkes, I mean, you have to give him safety help all game. I mean, if you if you line him up against Jamison Williams that has world class speed, I mean it could get bad real quick. You know, Jamison Williams can get on top of you in a hurry. Um, and the way the way Embry's playing, you can't trust him to be an island. You know, these games are too big to be lost. You know, at this point in the season where you're just having somebody not they're not playing to the caliber of what you need them to play of a Western Conference championship team. You know, not a Western. Uh,
0: <laughs> Full NBA,
1: yeah, the yeah, NFC Championship I like that, team, though. yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, if I'm if I'm Wilkes, I'm definitely helping him out. You know, um, keep everything in front of him, which I mean, he usually does. I mean, he plays f- so far off, you know, and yeah. and teams eat him up on underneath. He has to if, if that's how he's going to play, he has to rally up and make every tackle. You know, he has to – he can't miss no tackles. He has to he has to be disciplined in his tackling, but. All game, if I'm Steve Wilkes, I'm putting somebody over top of him.
0: Yeah, and who's going to be over the top of him, right? Because uh, they're going to have some safeties that are going to have to worry about Sam Laporta. The Four Yards are actually really good against tight ends this year. They are fourth best in the league as far as completion percentage by tight ends. That's really good. Uh, but you've had a few changes throughout the season. First, it was You know, Then it was Jair Brown. Now it's Logan Ryan. Does it stay Logan Ryan? I think this is one of those interesting questions because I think we saw a mixed bag from Logan Ryan last week, good in coverage, not as good against the run, but we've seen Jair be the inverse, good against the run, not as good in pass coverage. Warren, where do they go? Do they go with the veteran Logan Ryan, or are they going to go back to the young rookie in Jair Brown and live with uh, some risk in the pass game, but then go ahead and attack in the run game?
1: I'd lean towards Jair Brown. Um, just, just the way, the way Logan Ryan during run fits was just it was bad. You know, some of the angles he was taking was just, it was just you can't have that. You know, I mean, you just can't have it. Aaron Jones was, he was having he was having a career day against us. You know, and this is the thing, like the Niners, we we're, were so we always stopped the run. You know, I think it was what it was like fifty one games without giving up a hundred a uh, hundred yard rusher. Yep. And the way Aaron Jones did it on this, like he, it was it, honestly it looked easy. You know. And it sucks that we don't have Tylenol Hofunga because that's, this is what he was good at. I mean, he was good in camp coverage and he was good in the box, you know, and he was, he's, he's an awesome blitzer as well. Jair Brown, the reason why I want him on the field is I think we need to go through these lumps with him. You know, yeah, this is the wrong time of year to go through the lumps with Jair Brown, but he'll, he'll, he'll eventually start to get it. He'll eventually start to click. He'll eventually start, start blossoming into the player that we want, the safety that we want but he's so much better also in defending a run, you know, and this team that we're going up against the Detroit. I mean, you have two, you have two awesome backs that had great years. You have, you have Jameer Gibbs and then you have Montgomery, you know, and they could hurt you. This team's going to come into Santa Clara. They're going to want to run the ball down our throat, you know? So we're going to have to focus on the run. So if I had to pick out of them, I would, I would go with Jair Brown.
0: Yeah. It, it all depends on what style and what you're trying to take away. Uh, If you're trying to limit the effectiveness of Montgomery and Gibbs, Jair Brown is the guy because he is better in run fits and he comes up and he absolutely lays the wood. Um, I think that I would feel more confident in him in those areas. But if you're worried about Sam Laporta, it might be nice to have a Logan Ryan who has a cornerback skills. I mean, he's not as good as he used to be. He's definitely not as fast. I think where he struggles the most is on run fits where he's coming from a safety position uh, when he's playing in the box, he does pretty good. Against the Rams, he did really well in that area. So I think this is one of those ones that's going to play out depending on what they look at, and maybe we're going to see both. I think we might actually see both of them in this game, where we see Jair in obvious run sets. Maybe uh, when you see two tight ends on the field, uh, potentially you go that way. Or when you know, it's, it's different, they're spread out, maybe it's Logan Ryan. I think there could be a mixture. But whatever they need to do, the 49ers need to make sure that they can stop the run all the while not allowing explosive plays down the field. We can't have two liabilities in the secondary uh, that you have oh. to take care of. I mean, we've seen this before where D'Amico Ryan's had to put a young cornerback and a young safety on the s- same side. Uh, back then it was Ambry Thomas and Talanoa Ufonga. Now it's Ambry Thomas and potentially Jair Brown. Uh, so it's an it, interesting problem for the 49ers, but I think that this matchup could still work out. Um, I won't be shocked if Jair Brown starts – but all the while, I wouldn't be shocked if Steve Wilks just feels more comfortable with Logan Ryan. I think it's interesting. Probably won't know until we get uh, either listen to Steve Wilks talk, or probably closer to game days when they'll make a decision.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think what you say is, is spot on. I mean, you might want to go in the game and, and give it a give it a mix. You know, play both, play Jair and play play Logan Ryan, and see how the game is flowing. See how the game flows going. Who's who's in the zone? Who's playing well? And then make the decision then. You know, if, if Jair Brown's going out there. And you know he's 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 playing both he's playing well in coverage and coming up in in run support. Let's keep him out there. Let's see. Let's 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 have him finish the game. Or same with Logan Brown. You know if he's going out there and you know he's playing well in pass coverage and he's helping in run support, let him finish the game. So I think it might be something that's uh, that's uh, decided through fire.
0: Yeah, it could be. And one thing that could be interesting is also uh, blitzing. I think Jair Brown's a way better blitzer. And they're probably going to come after Jerry Goff some of this game with Goff's struggles against the Blitz. Um, so I, I would like to see Jair in those situations be able to get there because I don't think Logan Ryan's as good a Blitzer. Um, so that could be interesting to, to see as well. Now let's talk about, since we're talking about a little bit right here with the Blitzing, let's talk about pass rusher on the other side. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson. And Aiden Hutchinson is going to be going against Colton McKivitz. I had to tell you there was one matchup that scares the living daylights out of me. It's Aiden Hutchinson against Cold McKivitz, with McKivitz giving up 10 sacks this season. Um, that's basically one-third of the sacks against the 49ers are on Cold McKivitz. You have watched Aiden Hutchinson for years. Does this matchup scare you as much as it does me?
1: It scares, it scares the heck out of me. <laughs> um, Aiden's no joke. Um, he's only been in the league, what, two years? And he's established himself as one of the best in the league already. Um, I believe I seen a stat where they said over the last four to five games, he has like eight sacks. Um, the dude's unreal. He's unreal. And, and this is the one guy I believe on Detroit Detroit's defense and one, one of their teams that you can't let him get going because he's their heart and soul. You know, once he gets going and, you know, he's getting sacks, he's making plays and, and he's causing havoc. The rest of the team follows, you know, he's like their emotional leader so if you're the Niners, you're going to have to do everything to take him out of the game. You know, you're going to have to do everything that everybody does. The Bosa do to him, chip him, chip him, double team him. You can't let Aiden Hutchinson beat you in this game, you know, because this is this is what he does. I mean, at Michigan, he he's the one that set the the, the culture, the foundation for where the uh, the program is now. I mean, the guy is just unreal. And what he's done at Detroit, you know, he's set the foundation there. So. They're one game away from the Super Bowl. Um, you just you can't let this guy beat you in this big of a game. So I believe, I hope the Niners plan to help out McCole, uh, McKivicks because this guy is a total game wrecker.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's, uh, he's a complete pass rusher, and uh, he's got an absolute motor that just doesn't stop. He's got a full complement of pass rush moves. Oh, he's good at setting the edge against the run. This is one of those top flight defensive ends in the league that old McKivics is going to have to face. And it's been a mixed bag when he goes against a really good and talented pass rusher. uh, It's never good. I mean, look at what we saw with T.J. Watt in week one. He went off against Colton McKivitz. I I don't know if Aiden is as good as as T.J. Watt as far as bending the corner and getting home. uh, But he's got that kind of motor. He's got that kind of ability. And he might be that guy at some point. I think the 49ers absolutely have to help. They have to chip. Uh, They're going to have to make sure they send either a running back or a tight end, an extra lineman, they're going to have to consistently know where number 97 is, and they're going to have to consistently make sure they give help to Colton McKivitz. The scary thing is, last week, the 49ers gave help to Colton McKivitz at times against Rashawn Gary, and it still didn't work. Uh, he would still get beat on plays. He got help. And it's like that kind of thing just makes me really nervous. Uh, the 49ers are going to have to address this in the draft next year, but uh, you're in a situation where the San Francisco 49ers are – uh, you know, are who they are. They got the players they got, and I'm worried about this matchup with Hutchinson because, boy, is he good, and he's looked good recently. He could be a game record, just like you said.
1: He can be. And and what makes me feel a little bit better about this game is is Kyle Shanahan. And if there's one thing Kyle Shanahan can do is Kyle Shanahan can take a pass rusher out of the game with, with just his, his, his the way he calls a game and his play calling. You know, he could he could use Aiden Richardson's aggressive aggressiveness against him. So I plan on, on Shanahan, you know, not not only helping him, you know, with, like you said, with the tight end out there or running back chipping chip on that side, but with the play calling as well, you know. Have some plays going, like screens and stuff. Get his aggression aggression going against him while the ball's go, going over his head or around him. So I expect Shanahan to fully help out in the, in that department as
0: well. Yeah, and I, I think the good news is you got Trent Williams on the other side going against Kamensky. That's going to be a win for the 49ers. So um, they do have guys in the interior part of this defensive line that are good. I like Alim McNeil a lot. He's a guy I broke down for a while. and He's going to be a huge test for John Feliciano and for Aaron Banks if they move him around. Um, I think they've got opportunities there. But I, I think that when it comes to it, they're just not as talented as some of the defensive lines the 49ers have seen. And so I hope the 49ers can give a lot of help on Hutchinson, and make sure they have opportunities for Brock Purdy to get the ball down the field. But like you said, Kyle Shannon will scheme it up to use his aggressiveness against him, to use his skill set against him. And he likes to use an inside spin move. Sometimes that's really great, especially if you have one-on-one. But if you use an inside spin move, Brock Purdy's the kind of guy that can extend a play by getting outside the pocket. And if he does, he could be lethal down the field like he was against George Kittle. Uh, I saw a stat that he has as many touchdowns now uh, outside the pocket while scrambling as Josh Allen and Russell Wilson. So that's crazy. Uh, Rock Purdy's been getting it done. He's been sneakily <laughs> getting some things done down the field, and he's gonna have to be able to handle this Detroit pass rush. Is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <clears throat> so let's talk about uh, the key player for the Lions that the Fournier's need to stop. Uh, so they've got we've talked about their weapons, they've got guys all over the place on offense, and the Fournier's are gonna have to stop them. Uh, which which matchup is it that you think? Fortyers just need to make sure they stop this guy, and it's going to really help their chances to slow down the Detroit offense.
1: There's, there's a multiple guys that I mean, you need to that you need to focus on. Um, with, I mean, like I said, in the running game, you got Gibbs and you got Montgomery. Just basing off how the game went last week, I mean, I feel like the Niners really need to focus on stopping the run. You know, it's almost. When you watch your team get beat on the run, it's like, it's like taking your manhood. You know what I mean? It's like you got to stand up and you got to stop the run. You can't let these teams run it down your throat like that. Um, but to me, if there's one player I feel like the Niners really got to focus on stopping, I believe it's Sam Laporta. Um, he, he, so, one, he reminds me so much of TJ Hawkinson. You know, when they got rid of TJ Hawkinson, I thought it was – honestly, I thought it was a terrible decision. Because, I mean, we all know how good T.J. Hawkinson is. Look how good he is in, in Minnesota. Um, but when this kid, Sam Laporta came on the scene, and, and he had a big game early in the season. I was it's like, oh, it's one game. And then he consistently started putting it together. Week after week after week, you're just like, okay, they may have something in this kid, you know. And you start watching him play, and you're just like, he's a real threat, you know. And he's somebody that, that golf is comfortable with. You know, golf leans on. You know, so if we put too much attention on the running game or amon Ra, you know, Sam Laporta, he could beat us. You know, Jared Goff has no problem sitting back there and throwing it 10, 10, 12 times. to Sam Laporta, him catching eight passes, having 140 yards and a touchdown, two touchdowns. He could he's cap- fully capable of those type of games. And that's something that could be a game breaker. Something that we don't, we don't see coming into the game. Um He's a big enough name now, where I think the Niners are not going to ignore him. They're going to be fully aware of who where he's at on the field and who's going to be matched up on him. But that's somebody I feel like the Niners need to pay close attention to because Sam Laporta he could he could be a game breaker out of nowhere.
0: Yeah, I, I think that you're there's a three headed monster that we've you know kind of brought up, and I think Laporta is a, a big uh, element to what they do on offense. The ability of Jared Goff to feel comfortable to get it to his check down, get it to Sam Laporta his kind of like comfort blanket and Laporta has been very dynamic with the bowl in his hands and he had that knee injury yet it didn't seem like he really missed a beat now I don't think he's running as good a route I don't think he's got the explosiveness that he had earlier in the year before the injury but it's a guy that yes the 49ers need to make sure they pay attention to uh, the fact that they've been go- so good against tight ends this year is great Uh, because they're going to have to play a good game against him this week. The good news for the 49ers, they have really good linebackers, and they have Deshaun Gibson, who has been an absolute neutralizer for tight ends. That's why it could be so important on who the other safety is, because Deshaun Gibson is probably going to have to put a lot of focus on helping stop Sam Laporta, while the rest of the linebackers and the other safety have to worry about stopping Jameer Gibbs, stopping the run game, and potentially at times giving help to Ambry Thomas. You start getting pulled in every which way. I think the 49ers, though, are going to try to take away St. Brown. They're going to try to stop that run game. They're going to try to limit the effectiveness of Laporta and put the onus on the other wide receivers to get it done. And if those guys can get it done, you tip your cap and you say, hey, great job. And if they can't, you have the opportunity and, uh, to go ahead and win the game.
1: I agree. I agree. Um, there's, there's, there's one thing that, uh, the Niners really need to focus on as well. is like, like, we, we, like we mentioned earlier, is the running game. But also Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell's like one of the most aggressive coaches in the league. There's going to be times in the game where he's going to go for it on fourth down. You know, he's very aggressive on fourth down, or the Niners got to be aware on punt coverage, you know, kickoff. He may, he may start off the game with an onside kick. You know, Dan Campbell plays, you know, with nothing to lose. And that's what's so scary about this Detroit team. It's not so much, you know, oh, they have golf, they have almond raw, they, they have, they have Gibbs, they have whoever. It's Dan Campbell. You know, Dan Campbell is, he's, he, he's a great coach. You know, I got to give it to him. You know, what he's done in Detroit, hats off. You know, you got you to give him credit for what he's done there, how bad that organization has been. You know, he really built it there. He built it from the ground up the right way. And how he coaches is he coaches the win each and every game, each and every down, each and every snap. And in, especially in a game like this where you know he wants to win, He's gonna throw everything at us. He's gonna throw the whole book at us. So the Niners just have to be on their toes on every snap, every aspect. Cause you know what you don't know what Dan Campbell's gonna bring at us. I, I can see him having some trick plays drawn up for us. Maybe going for two on a couple a couple of touchdowns. Just random stuff. You know, it's it's we're gonna to have to be on our toes because Dan Campbell is gonna bring it from a coaching aspect.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, and and Campbell is a, a gunslinger, he just lets it all fly, he just doesn't care. And, you know, the, you know who else used to be like this with a young team uh, that created a lot of buzz in the league was Ron Rivera. Uh, yeah. Ron Rivera used to create a lot of buzz because it was Riverboat Ron. He would yeah. take chances and he would go make things happen. <laughs> and it's, it, that stuff is awesome. Like, when you do that and you're aggressive and you're consistently aggressive, your team gets an aggressive mindset. My thing about it is, as a, as a coach, as somebody that's coached, is I love when teams are like that, because you know what? When you fail at those things, <laughs> I'm going to take advantage Facts. of it. Now, I was a highly aggressive coach as well. Uh, I just think that the 49ers are going to be prepared. They're going to run punt safe every single time it's a punt. They're going to they're leave their first-team defense out there. They are just going to make sure every single thing that happens in this game is controlled by them. And you're right, that he is that kind of guy. You can prepare for that. I think the thing you can't prepare is when you get those guys that are conservative the whole time, and then all of a sudden they hit you with something out of nowhere. Right. And you're like, where the heck did that come that's from? True. So I do think the 49 are going to be prepared for him, but I like that attitude and his aggressiveness. And you're right. He's probably going to go for two sometimes. He's probably going to go for it on fourth down when it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, he's probably going to take some chances, and that's what's going to add some intrigue to this game. And let's see if Kyle Shanahan, Steve Wilkes, you know, and Brian Schneider up to the task of making sure they have their team prepared and ready for everything he throws their way. Um, just you can also lose games that way. So it's interesting. I I I think this game is gonna be fascinating oh, in that yeah. in that category because you're right, he is highly, highly aggressive.
1: He is, he is. It's it's something to watch during this game. is definitely going to be something something I keep an eye on.
0: Oh, yeah. And they're going to show him a lot. Just get ready for it. The, the camera pans to him a ton during the game. And uh, he's got that interesting look to him. He does. He's, he's something different, man. I like that guy. I do, too. We, we talk about, you know, bite kneecaps and all that stuff. It's like, yeah, this guy, this guy's going to be fun. Right. Um, let's talk about the other side of the ball, the 49ers going against that Lions defense. You know, what do you think the biggest advantage is for the 49ers on offense?
1: Um. As usual, man, I mean it's I mean, we can start anywhere, you know, with this with this Niners offense, you know, with the plethora of weapons we have. Um, at this point in the season though, I, I think you keep it meat and potatoes. You know, it's it's you got the best player on the field. It's it's CMC. You know, it's it's do or die now. It's like what do you what do you what do you keep what do you what are you holding them for? You know what I mean? Like what are you saving his carries for? It's unleash the beast. You know, it's it's Winner, go home. So it's give CMC the ball and just let them take it. You know, I mean, these guys, when, they, when, they, when, they, when you just look at the game and the players on the field and what it comes down to, it's these guys is hungry. You know, it's Trent Williams never won a Super Bowl. CMC's never won a Super Bowl. Debo Ayuk, a lot of these guys, Kittle, they've never won a Super Bowl. You know, they've, they've been in these NFC Championship games. They've been in the Super Bowl and they've came up short. Like, these guys is hungry you know, and it's let him go eat, you know what I mean? Like give CMC the ball and just let him destroy the Detroit Lions, you know? So that's, that's how I feel about it. You know, I feel where our biggest weapon is we got the best player and you got to figure it out, you know? So if I'm Shannon, you know, I'm giving, I'm giving Christian McCaffrey for these next two games, I'm giving him the ball in any fashion I could give it to him, you know, screens. I'm lighting my receiver. I'm putting them any way I can and just deal with it.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the, Christian McCaffrey affords you a lot of opportunity, And with two weeks being off before the Super Bowl, there's not going to be any restrictions on how many touches any of these players get. Because uh, if you don't win this game, it, it doesn't matter. You right. have to win this football game. They're going to go out there looking to execute. And Christian McCaffrey is going to be, be a big reason why. And if they can get a run game going with McCaffrey and then they can find him in the passing game with the matchups that he's going to have success with against these linebackers, he's going to be pivotal. And then all of a sudden you're paying too much attention to him and you forget about somebody else. And if Debo's out there, that means here comes Debo, here comes Ayuk, here comes Kittle. Uh, The weapons are going to be there. If the 49ers can keep Brock Purdy upright and and healthy and comfortable, uh, it's going to be big. And that's why getting McCaffrey going in the run game is even bigger. You get McCaffrey going, you get these offensive linemen, you know, chewing up yards in the run game, and that will kind of limit the effectiveness of guys like Aiden Hutchinson. Can't rush the passer if, they, if the running back's running the ball down your throat. So uh, it, they want to limit the effectiveness of the four yards offense early. They want to get it into third and long where they can get after Brock Purdy. But if Christian McCaffrey and this offense get it going both in the run game and with the passing game, it, that's going to put a lot of pressure on Aiden Hutchinson in this defense to perform on some tough situations. Third and shorts are not good against the 49ers. They are an elite offense on third down. They convert at a 48%.
1: Right. I mean, it's no mercy. You know, I mean, the frustration we all had last year, you know, Brock Purdy gets hurt in the NFC Championship game, and we couldn't even see the game plan Shanahan had for this. You know, like we couldn't see what what they were going to unleash on Philly until this year. And when they got on the field with Philly, they completely – completely wiped the field with them and Philly was never the same after that game, you know, like take that energy, you know, and, and just unleash it on Detroit. You know, I mean, when this team is motivated, we've seen it, you know, the way they looked against the Dallas Cowboys, you know, kiddo lifts up his shirt, you know, F the, F the Cowboys. Like that was a motivated nighter team and it was just no holds bars, you know, look at how motivated they were when they went to Philly players showed up in all black, you know, Debo goes crazy against that team, you know, and completely breaks their spirit. Like, this is the Niner team, you know, I want to see for these next these next two games. You know, come show, show up in all black and just show, show the NFL that this is a dynasty and none of these teams can be on the field with us because we have the talent to be a dynasty. We have the talent to win a few more of these Super Bowls or to get there, you know. Let's go out, put it all together, win the game, and, and, and show the world what the Niners really look like, what what the team really should look like week in and week out.
0: Yeah, I think they're going to be highly motivated. The national media is doing the 49ers a favor by oh, consistently yeah. talking down on them. Uh, all the rest of the fan bases apparently are rooting against the 49ers. And The 49ers are going to sit there and be like, all right, yeah, us first, everybody. I like that mentality. I don't know how much the 49ers have felt that this year, uh, but I think they feel it now. And when your back's against the wall, you come out swinging. And I think that's what the 49ers are going to do in this game. They don't like the questions that people have been asking where they've been questioning Kyle Shanahan. They don't like the criticisms that Brock Purdy's been getting. They don't like the fact that people are not giving them the respect that they deserve. And I think they're going to go out there and try to earn it. And it's not like Detroit has disrespected the 49ers or that Detroit has done anything wrong. Their problem is they're in the way of the 49ers getting their ultimate goal of winning a Super Bowl. And when people get in the way, you have choices. You can go around them or you can go through them. (laughs) And I think the 49ers plan to go through them in this game. And I think you're going to see a highly motivated team that's looking to execute and fire on all cylinders. And I hope we get a game that looks more eerily similar to 2019 against Green Bay Packers, where the 49ers just imposed their will in the run game and just ran right over the top of them. I think the 49ers have that potential. I'm not saying it's going to be a blowout win for the 49ers, <laughs> but uh, there are there are opportunities for that to happen. There were some near misses against Green Bay that could have flipped that game completely on its head. That's how all games are, right? Near right. misses. <clears throat> so, Warren, this game's coming up Sunday, 3.30 kickoff. Who you got, 49ers versus Detroit Lions?
1: I got the Niners um, definitely playing better than what they played last week. I have them putting it all together. Um we're not going to be as frustrated as we was last week. Um, hopefully I'm not on the ground walking around the corner, you know, pulling my hair out. Um, honestly, I think the, this team, like I said, that, what we got last week, this team needed it. You know, this, they they felt it that we're in the playoffs now, and this is, like, here we go. So, and I think it just bodes well for Detroit, you know? I mean, it, it bodes bad for Detroit. Yeah. Um, I think the Niners take care of business, though. I think the Niners is going to put it on Detroit. I say, uh niners i have niners 42 21 Woo! yeah I don't, i'm putting it on
0: detroit i like that <laughs> that's a that's a big win for the 49ers and i i absolutely love it of course you want my score prediction is going to happen on the game preview show uh that'll be coming up later this week and uh yeah this is going to be, game's gonna be intense. it's going to be fantastic uh the pressure is on now and there's going to be pressure in this game to to win there's going to be pressure on the quarterbacks perform and there's going to be some defensive linemen trying to create pressure this is the exact time you want to be playing football in the nfl we'd like to thank you guys all for joining us for this episode warren thank you so much uh it was a great conversation i enjoyed this episode it's one of my favorites that i've done the entire year so thank you uh, for coming on and talking 49ers football. no
1: doubt no doubt
0: yeah we, we we'll have to get we'll have to get another one. we'll have to get some more celebrations going uh n- <laughs> you know later on next week niners oh, yeah. win We're gonna have to talk some Super Bowl. uh, but we'd like to thank you guys all for coming (laughs) through, checking out, like and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already on that push for 5k. And this episode was brought to you by Bet Online where the game starts. We will catch you guys all on the next one. Until then, stay safe. remember, the right way is always the Niners.